Hey. How's the wine? Hi. It's good. <laughs> it's really good. It's going down well. That's good. That's good. <clears throat> so I'm here with my sister Christy again. Hello. Hello. And we're just having a little chat and we're going to talk about um, some stuff that I've gone through and what it's like to live with depression. So give any questions, just throw them at me. <laughs> well, how about you start somewhere, somewhere in your timeline of life? I think for me, this will probably be kind of an interesting conversation because you were, I, you were an infant. I was young um, when this started for you. And I, although I was aware of stuff that was going on to some extent, and we've talked about it, like so, sometimes throughout the years as well, mm -hmm. I, there might be some little nuggets in there that I didn't know. So maybe some insight I into could learn about you today. This whole time you thought I was an evil. Yeah. And, and you had a reason to be. Yeah. I was just miserable. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to kind of do what I did and start at like some point in time. Well, I, I, we were just talking about, um, I subconsciously wrote down the year 1997 on this notepad that I have. And so I now, now in hindsight, I'm thinking like, that's probably what it began yeah. for me. So in 1997, I was 15-16, and like when I think back, I don't, I can't recall any specific event that that just sparked this like downward spiral that that I have, but or that I went through then. <laughs> um, but I I do remember some specific events that happened around that time frame, um, and there's. There was stuff. There was stuff happening at home, and there was stuff happening at school, and maybe just the fact that it was just all at the same time. There was yeah. too much to handle. That I basically had a breakdown and quit school in grade eleven, and uh, so I guess so. That was in nineteen ninety eight. So. So it, it was probably like, so it probably started about a year before I, yeah, like a, there's my breaking point was, was about a year, was a year that led up to it yeah. getting to that point for you. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I had, I had a, a little circle of girlfriends and we were pretty tight and I think just a combination of like my environment and probably hereditary factors. Mm -hmm. Um, and hormones probably played a part of that <laughs> just like all together during that year. Um, I probably started exhibiting signs of depression, which in turn led to some of my friends and I not getting along yeah. and me withdrawing from s social activities and then me being really overly dramatic or really reactive when you know I found out that I wasn't invited to a sleepover um, or whatever I took ve things very personally and so I guess a year of that going on by 98 those some of those girls had had enough yeah and they turned on mm -hmm. me a little bit and anyway I remember just not wanting to go to school ever um, I remember trying to get get out of going to school every day and there were quite a few days where I didn't think that I was tricking mom and dad but 
but I definitely got away with not going to school quite a bit. Mm-hmm. They would come in in the morning to wake me up and I would say that I was sick. I had all these excuses and luckily I was a really good student. So my grades did not suffer. And I think that was why it was easier for mom and dad to let me stay exactly. home. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky in that way. And, um, but kind of unlucky in that, like if my grades had been suffering, I think that people would have caught on more that there was a problem. Yeah. Um, just because I was just saying that I had physical symptoms, like I was sick. I really could have been, but if, if my grades had been slipping, then there was probably some more need to investigate what was going on. Yeah. But they weren't, so. Because that is a lot of time, a huge indication of people having a hard time is that, especially if they were a good student and then they were Mm -hmm. slipping, right? And, and if you're not having that as well, Mm -hmm. then it it sometimes doesn't seem like it's as big of a deal. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is I had like a couple, I had a really, really good best friend that stuck by me and, and still does today. And so, I mean, she knew what was going on and she didn't tell my parents what was going on, but I felt, I think I felt enough support from her for quite a long time that she didn't even feel the need to tell anybody else either. So, um, but the breaking point I do remember was, was with my best friend Janelle. Um, Hi she, Janelle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shout out to Janelle. Um, she was gonna go home for lunch one day from school, and um, another friend wanted to go too. And I kind of assumed that I was going because I was her best friend and. Janelle told me that she was only allowed to bring one friend home and she had only, she had already told the other girl that she could go. And it wasn't anything to do with that at all. It was just rejection in general. Yeah. And it just like sent me into this downward spiral and I remember just flipping out and saying something like, fine then, I'm going home for lunch and I'm never coming back. And I didn't. Like I, I literally left, walked home, had lunch, told mom, I'm not going back. And I, you know, I told her what happened or whatever. And I mean, this wasn't the first time I had complained about school. Like this had been a long time coming in my mom's mind, I think. Or in in our mom's mind. Yeah. (laughs) We always do that. Um, Yeah. So she was, you know, it was still a lot to hear from her from me, you know, to say all this stuff. And I was, I was crying and I just, but I was very adamant. Like I'm never going back to that school. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I'll do anything else. Like just don't send me back. Um, and at the time I had a part-time job at a, an amazing grocery store. Here. <laughs> it's um, yeah. The grocery store is closed and it's something else now. And it really makes me upset. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I had a part-time job Um, and I, I asked for more hours. So this was at the time that you were homeschooling when you were afraid of being sick all the time. And, uh, if you're just tuning in now, if you're just starting to listen, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you could listen to the first two episodes (laughs) of our podcast and you could hear all about Christie's, um, crazy life, (laughs) early life. 
with her sick phobia. Um, anyway, so sick, phobia. <laughs> really cool phobia. Pam named it, but I cannot remember what she named it. So oh. I'd have to go back into my email and, and see what well, she Well, it does have a, a, sorry, that phobia does have a name and I already knew it. I just yeah. can never pronounce it properly. It so starts I never with an say A, it. right? It's, no, it starts with an E. Oh. It's like, uh, well, sorry, this is supposed I, to be about you, not me. I wish we had a call in show and then Pam can call us. Being sick. Okay. You're looking it up right now? Yeah. It's. It's emetophobia. Emetophobia. Nice job. Nice job. E M E T O phobia. P H phobia. It's just too much. P H phobia. Yeah. P H phobia. Yeah. Well, that's a really interesting thing. It's real. Yeah. If you want a good read, I've read a book about it before. So. But yeah, so I I asked for more hours. And so I, I got extended hours at the grocery store, food fair, and, um, but, and I did some homeschooling or whatever to supplement that. And the whole time, I, I was miserable. Like, I was mm-hmm. isolated at home. I thought it was going to be a good solution. I loved going to work. Basically, that was, that was my social life. And then I met some really awesome friends um, through working at food fair, that some are, some are still my friends now. And so I guess while we're doing shout outs, I might as well say hey to Steph. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Almost 25 years. <laughs> um, anyway, so it, it was good and bad, but, but it was, I mean, it was better when Stephanie got her license. Cause then <laughs> it's <laughs> always better when your friend has a license. Yeah. Then she can drive me around and then I wasn't so isolated, but yeah, but no, definitely. Um, I felt really disconnected from Janelle for that whole time because we did not work together. So therefore I didn't see her unless it was yeah. from out of school, but we were both busy with different things. And, um, and so we felt disconnected because it was also kind of awkward because she was still friends with the girls that I didn't feel connected to. Yeah. And so I didn't want to put her in the middle and I know she felt like it. And you know how 15 year old girls, 16 year old girls can be. Oh yeah. It's the worst. Um, and so it was just, it was just a bad like couple years for, it was rocky for us and it was, I mean, it was devastating to me. Yeah. And, um, and so that was right around the time that there was some family stuff and I ended up going to a totally different high school in a different town in BC for a little while, just a completely different change of scenery. And um, the school part was amazing, yeah. met some amazing people. And um, I went there for a, about a semester in some. And then um, I came back to Whitehorse and went to um, the other high school here. And that turned out to be a better fit for me. And so I got my part-time job back at Food Fair, started school at the other school. Uh, I had a cousin that went there, so that was nice. Mm -hmm. I had some connections there. A lot of people that worked at Food Fair went to school at this other school. Or, yeah, went to school at at the other school. So so I had more connections there, and um, it was just a better fit. So I ended up... when When I started going to um, school there, or when I had come back from Vernon, um, Stephanie says that I was a completely different person from the person that had left. So um, there was, I, I had been in a car accident there that left me pretty traumatized. And I think that 
once again, that kind of fueled my isolation feeling. Because when I came back to Whitehorse, I wasn't that fun anymore. I didn't want to be a passenger in a car. I didn't want to... You had this experience I was, with yeah, other people. Yeah, there were some triggers. Yeah. And so... But I couldn't explain it then. And it was a really, like... I keep saying the word isolated. It was a very lonely time. Yeah. And loneliness is one of the things that kills the most people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's... I don't know. Did you were you writing something down? Yeah, but I think it's gonna come up later. Oh, okay. So I just wrote it down, and it's and it's, um, yeah. I I can well, I'll just say it now because I think you need some more ammo. So, I what I wrote down on this piece of paper is strawberry wine with a question mark, and my reason <laughs> is because there was a po- there was a point in time. So when I'm thinking about f- this for me, yeah, and what I remember. I remember this one point in your life, and I think it was later. Like, I think you were out of high school. Um, I should hope, because you weren't of age yet to be drinking wine. Um, Are you thinking about those one liter? Well... Like, the things that I turned into vases, because they were so amazing? I'm not sure. I just... Because I don't have... Like, it's not, like, a super vivid recollection. It's more like... I remember it's when when you had that black futon. Yeah. And the day bed. The day bed. <laughs> and you, so you were in that room at the front of the house yeah. with that. And like, you were in there all the time. Like you like never came out of your room hardly. Yeah. Um, and when I had gone in there, because you sometimes would have, I feel like the way that our relationship was at that time <laughs> is that you either weren't talking to me at all, or you suddenly like had this like big interest in my, in me and wanting to like connect with you connect with me yeah so you were like so it felt like i'm like i have this older sister who is clearly going through something she's so weird she's not weird i thought you were sad and angry um and so and we were also eight years apart and that and that the age you were there and me it was very different but then every once in a while you'd be very much like hey like come hang out with me in my room and i'd be like all right like yeah sweet and I just remember you having like empty bottles of alcohol in there. <laughs> and one of them being, I thought, like a strawberry wine or like some sort of like was, rose like or Z- like Zinfandel. Or Zinfandel. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. It's a rose, right? Yeah. Or like yeah. a kind of. Zinfandel. Or is, I guess Zinfandel is its own thing. But yeah. And, and that, and so I just think of your futon or your dink bed <laughs> and that. And I don't know why. It's just like what's in my head. That's what stands out. That's what stands out for me. And I was guess I wrote this down because I was trying to think of what p- time period was that. So. <laughs> and I think I know, but I also just want you to answer. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, the summer of 2002. So is that when you were dating somebody? No. Or kind of that's That's around? when, that's when I, that's when I got the news that, um. That the person that I was really into, into at the time yes. was getting married to somebody else. Yes. That's kind of, yeah, okay. Somebody that I kind of like had like envisioned for a long time what my future was going to be like. Dawson's like. Creek. <laughs> Basically, we were exactly like Dawson's Creek. <laughs> but like Dawson and Joey, not, not yeah. Joey and Pacey. Yeah, Joey and Pacey would have been better. But anyway, um, <laughs> we, we watched Dawson's Creek together our lives mimicked the show like it was incredibly like corny right but but it was like sweet and it was devastating and um I was 21 and yeah like it was I'm not trying to insinuate you had a drinking problem I don't think you had a drinking problem it was uh (laughs) I just think you were hiding 
that you were drinking. Oh, yeah. I was definitely, like, I remember it was about two or three days. It was, like, the, over the span of a weekend. Maybe it was Maybe it was even, like, yeah. I didn't have to work. It was Canada Day weekend. It was probably two weeks after I found out the bad news. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I remember downing a bottle of wine. And then I remember, actually, like, I had a little TV in, in my room, mm-hmm. and I was watching this movie. And I remember drinking from the bottle... And mom walking in to talk to me and just seeing me, like, drinking out of the bottle. And, like, she didn't say anything. She just closed the door. And I know that, like, there was probably so many things going through her head. But she could see the sadness and just, like, let me stay in my room. This this can just happen right now. (laughs) Yeah. She probably knew, like, nothing she could say was going to make that situation better right then. Yeah. For you guys. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think what's so interesting now like is because like so you're a mother and so you're talking about yeah yeah coming home that day when you were when you decided I'm not going back to school mm-hmm. so so for mom like and dad we always say mom like yes obviously dad was part of that but um he was more of a you were a quieter you were also you're the oldest kid so yeah. all those types of things usually happen with you first. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that would have been their first experience with having a child who's like, I am so upset with school and I don't want to go back. Yeah, I'm so done with school. And so they're trying to figure out, like, how do I deal with this? So, like, for you, if you had one of your kids in high school tell you that, I mean, obviously now because you can empathize with them completely, you've been through it yourself. But what and, would you And, you know, you it's, it's funny because, like, everyone wants to keep their kids in school and mom did not hesitate. She was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. She just knew that that was it. She knew she, there was no fighting with me. I was at my, the end of my rope. Um, we could find a different thing. We could find an alternative that was better. And we did, you know, mm-hmm. the, the homeschooling was kind of a joke. It was easy, easy. Like I finished yeah. it in five minutes and then I went to do my full-time job at age 16 and um whatever I did that for a little bit it was fine and then you know then I did the Vernon thing and then when I came back I did the other school thing and then I got my job back and then I and then I graduated and you know what I graduated a year late but I'm born in October so I was only a couple months older than people in my class Mm -hmm. and I was really immature anyway like like emotionally I was emotionally immature um I think that like a lot of teenagers that get depressed are depressed because they are emotionally immature. I was always, I always had a feeling that I was trying to keep up with everybody and I couldn't. Yeah. So in turn, I think that was depressing. Um, anyway, I, I loved my grad class. Like I was thrilled with the people that I graduated with. Um, they were great. We were, they were just such a great bunch of people. They were really welcoming I was only with them for three semesters, and it felt like forever. A long time. Like it felt like I had known them from since kindergarten, and really, I've only I only knew Lisa since kindergarten. Yeah, because I I, <laughs> I actually didn't know you were only there for three semesters. Yeah, it was only three semesters. Yes, to me, it feels like it would have been longer, just by the way you talk about it. Yeah, um, there and the were, friendships that you made while you were there. I had I have some long lasting friendships. Mm-hmm. I still have friendships that I made there, and teachers that I still think about every day. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so 
Yeah, it was just a really hard time. I think that being a teenager sucks usually anyway. Well, <laughs> if, if you suffer with depression, being a teenager on top of that, like, or being yeah. going through that as a teenager is the shittiest thing ever. Yeah. Um, I remember, I don't remember who I was talking to. It could have been Shannon, like the psychologist that we went to. Yeah. It could have been during one of those things. But I remember being kind of like informally diagnosed with bipolar disorder but at the time it was called manic depression Mm -hmm. and so for those of you that don't know what that is it's um bipolar disorders bipolar one and bipolar two um the difference being um the it's the i think it's the um the degree is it the degree of the... the I actually panic? don't know. I know that there's one and two, but I do not feel Google informed it. enough to, to say um, anything about it. Anyway, we're going to... I can't remember off the top of my head, and I'm just tired. And uh, anyway, but the... So the manic part is it could be everything from being, like, really, really excitable. I got it here. Like, going... Like, just changing in a way, like... Uh, you could be spending too much money. You could be gambling. You could be yeah. talking a lot or really quickly, um, just not acting like you're like as calm. You could be have you could be up all night with insomnia. You could get a lot done. Like all of a sudden, you'll clean your house. You'll rearrange everything in your house. You'll make big plans to travel. You'll you know do all these yeah. things, and then all of a sudden, you'll crash into a depressive episode where you can't get out of bed. Yeah. And then that's a cycle. And so you could have you could have X amount of them during your life. You could have one of them. You could have two of them. Um, some people, most people have more. Well, so so the difference so between Google, one and two. Google tells me that uh, bipolar two is similar to bipolar one. However, in bipolar two, the up moods never reach full blown mania. Oh, okay. So yeah. So it's it's. A There's little, a little bit more than that. So but that's it's the like gist. suppressed mania. So it's not like as severe as yeah. Less intense elevated moods um, are called hypomanic episodes. Yeah, or hypo- hypomania. Yeah. And so I can definitely identify with those types of things, like, um, and and in in a cyclical way too. So that's how I recognize it. So I can think about events in my life that have happened and how I reacted to those things. So, um, whenever I was stressed out about relationship stuff, that's usually as a, like an older teenager in the young, mm-hmm. young twenties, any kind of relationship stress, I would react in a, in a main, like in a hypomania way, yeah. hypomanic way, manic way. Like, um, I don't know how many times I quit and restarted working at Food Fair. Six. Six, six times in six years. But you must have been good because I kept taking uh, I guess so. I mean, yeah. Like you're making like rash decision types. Yeah, stuff. like impulsive, impulsive decision. Yes. Um, so there was this one time I quit working at the grocery store. I can't remember why that time. Um, and it was probably to other people it was probably a dumb reason but to me right. it was valid at the time right because it's like instead of thinking this through and, blah, blah, and it was and probably all that. Uh, it was probably part of my depression that told me my brain was telling me you got a quick girl like yeah and you know it's your brain lying to there's you there's no other way 
And so, anyway, I was laying in bed, and Dad came in, and he said, get up and get an answer. <laughs> and it was his way of saying, like, get, out, get off your ass, because I'm sick and tired of seeing you laying around doing nothing, and you're, like, 19. Like, mm-hmm. Get up. Do something. You've been laying around forever. So I went, and he was actually hinting, like, get a job, please. And I went down, and I booked an airline ticket to Tucson, Arizona. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And so I came home, and Mom and Dad were sitting at the table, and I, I slammed the ticket down on the, on the table, and I'm like, here's my answer. And Dad, like, I thought, <laughs> the look on his face was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, he's like, this is not what, it, maybe I need to be and, more specific. Like, yeah, obviously <laughs> I need, yeah. So anyway, I was going to Tucson, Arizona. So I went, and I, like, had this fantabulous time, like, yes, I just, like, hung out. Never been there before. It was just one of those crazy, like, I mean, I'm going to use crazy. I don't, I, 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 there should have been a better word, but. Yes. Like, just, boom, I'm going to Arizona, bye-bye. And I went, and I was gone for two weeks. Yeah. And I had a great time. I don't regret it, but when I think about it, I'm like, who was that person? Yeah. Like, I can't I feel, believe it. I feel And like I did that. a lot, of, I did a lot of things like that. Like, sometimes, like, Steph and Janelle were shaking their heads like did she just say she's gonna do that or did she just that's so true because even like when you said you felt like you were a different person if i i mean i know the essence of who jenny is but when i do think of the life that i've known you you have almost been a chameleon and done all these different things and i think that's part of the the issue a little bit is is also that um and I know someone else like this too, where where it's like changing, trying to figure out who you are and changing into all these different people, like, depending depending yeah. on who you're hanging out with, and and almost trying yeah. to find your fit, right? Yeah, yeah. And so and never feeling like you do. Yeah, and so all those things that you were doing was also part of that. So yeah, when I think of you, I'm like, oh yeah, Jenny wore a lot of hats. <laughs> oh yeah, I did. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. I feel that. I way. used to wear really long, like really high. Like to the knee striped socks. But you know what? I know we have pictures of that. But you know, <laughs> you, at the same time, you have so many more stories than I feel like I have. <laughs> like, and not because you're, you've had eight more years. You've had way more stories to the age that I am now. Like, yeah. At, well, at my age, like, I, I, because you've just done so many things like that. Whereas I, I'm totally the opposite. Well, um, Carly tells me that I should. <laughs> that my life has been like a movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's weird things that have happened to me that have, like, definitely shaped who I am. Like, when I went blind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's something that's, like, that comes up sometimes when I, you know, when someone that doesn't know that <laughs> comes up. I've told that story before, too. And, and it's just unbelievable. Like, yeah. so people, <laughs> like, it's just a weird story that you don't expect. And sometimes it needs to be told, but it feels awkward every time I do because I'm like, really? Like, oh, I just think it's hilarious. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I love telling that story of yours. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's just weird. But anyway, um, so where, where were they going with this? <laughs> we were talking about... Just, just how um, you felt like a completely different person. Oh, that you... things have happened and stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I've had a lot of, like, weird things happen, and I feel like... Um, pretty much I can check off a lot of boxes you know when it when it comes to things happening you know like so 
any any after school special that has been made <laughs> yeah um it's been made about my life yeah <laughs> like there's just been so many things like you know being sexually um like not i guess molested at school like when yeah. i was in elementary school yeah. by by a fellow students like students plural at different times and like different years even just certain things that have happened so I've been a victim to those weird things and I and I never knew why like I felt like there has to be something wrong with me but this kind of stuff happens to me quite often and and when I'm young like before I was a teenager before I was putting myself in those positions yeah I was a child yeah and I wasn't so um so and I think that you know because I was so young I didn't the effects of it didn't really sink in until I was older. But they stay with you, and then they come they, out. Yeah, they resurface. They come out in ways when you're, you know, going through puberty and yeah. all these things. When you start and, dating. And they create st- issues yeah. for you. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, you could be, like, making out with somebody, and all of a sudden these weird things from when you were four come out. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, so if you hadn't, if somebody hasn't experienced that before, they're going to have a different yeah. experience when they're older. But yeah, so well, uh, I, have a, I have a question for you. Wow. Um, so you say that so back, cycling back when you were younger, um, like a teen or whatever, and you were you said like kind of informally diagnosed yeah. with bipolar. Um, did you say what like two then bipolar two? Yeah, I'm thinking so. Have you? Yeah, because my manic episodes weren't like right they over the top. Over the top. So I'm just wondering. So that happened, but have you ever been diagnosed with that since or talked more about yeah. that since? So, so the weird thing is, is that back then when that diagnosis came about, um, Shannon was working with our doctor at the time, our family physician, and they put me on Zoloft, which is also sertraline. Um, same thing, same thing, same thing that you were on (laughs) and cheers. And, um, yeah. So the same thing that you were on was was the sertraline, which is also called Zoloft and Brettening. Yeah. And it's an anti, it's an anti-anxiety, antidepressant medication. Yeah. But if I had true bipolar disorder, that medication would probably have sent me more into a manic state. Um, the funny thing is, is that I actually... Like and and a lot of people with bipolar disorder really like their manic states mm-hmm. um, because the depressive state is just that the, any opposite of that is better and you get more done like yeah. like I and so but but part of me thinks that you know maybe bipolar two or maybe bipolar three like maybe that maybe I'm inventing bipolar three yeah um, because I do I rec totally recognize like the like hypomanic stuff because there are times and it was when like Tavis was working or even going to school like out of town for those months at a time and he was gone I would go up and down as like a roller coaster with my with my emotions and my mental state and there were times where like I wouldn't be able to get out of bed and his mom and dad had to take the kids for Mm -hmm. a couple days or whatever and then like you know a month later I'm bounced right back I'm having parties, I'm spending money, I'm ordering online, like clothing, yeah. like this, and, and this is not, and, and neither one of those, like the not getting out of bed and not being able to take care of my kids and the spending too much money that like more money than we make, yeah. neither one of those is really who I am. 
Yeah. And neither one of them is good place to be. Exactly. Yeah. So to somebody who is living that, like, yeah, if you could just imagine living a life where both versions of what you are normally aren't really who you really truly are. And you know yeah. that, but, but the, you can't the, but change it. Yeah. So, because the depression and the mania are both paralyzing in, in that even if you can recognize it, which sometimes you can't, yeah. um, even if you can be cognizant of the fact that you're in a manic state, which would be amazing if you were that self-aware, there's no changing it in the moment because that's just how it is and your brain rules. Yeah. And that's... It's just well, it's, and when you're feeling, when you're feeling the way you're feeling, like I don't know how other other to say it than like that's your truth for you, right? Like yeah, you're like, but I feel this, so that is real. Mm -hmm. So how can you tell yourself otherwise? Like, and even for me, like when I'm you know having anxiety or I'm feeling really sick, and I'm trying to tell myself that's my brain thinking this. Like it's so hard. Yeah. To do that, and that's a completely different thing yeah. than when you're in, if you're in a bipolar type situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that would be, I can only imagine that that would be 10 times more difficult to understand. But I, but I like that you said, um, when you were jokingly saying bipolar three, because I think that because there's so many different things that people can be diagnosed with um, and you can fall into so many different categories it does make it kind of confusing because you you can read about something and say yeah I can see myself in those little parts yeah but I can also see that I fit under kind of this diagnosis and this and so so I, I think yeah. people struggle with that when they're when they don't really know all the places they fit and what what's their biggest issue for lack of a better word mm -hmm. so to find something that works for them to fix that can be really difficult really challenging and i think that i mean let just to emphasize how important it is to get a professional to diagnose you and, yeah, and reading it online and or yeah and like obviously like listening to us is whatever <laughs> we've been drinking so <laughs> well no not definitely not heavily i'm just having some sips but um they're delightful by the way delightful and but like even like in the last episode where mm. Cheryl was talking about medication and you know, she, yeah. she went on for quite some time about like how important it is to really have a support team that cares about you and your well being and knows what your diagnosis is. And, ha and it's really important to have the proper one Yeah, because drugs and the interactions can be deadly and, but when they are taken properly, they can change your life. Yeah. So you cannot abuse them. So it's, yeah, you definitely have to, if you, if you are listening to any of these episodes and feel like, you know, something resonates with you, go to your doctor. Yeah. You know, it's worth a have shot. Have that conversation. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to Google stuff and to, and, but you cannot diagnose yourself. No, and it's okay to Google things and, and, and take, yeah. and take that to your doctor and say, like, I feel like these are like, to yeah. even give you some, because it is hard to put into words. It is. So it sometimes is that's actually helpful, yeah. but it's but hard to put into words. Yourself. And yeah. And like, I remember going to the doctor at like, I don't know, age 17. I think I was put on, I was put on sertraline, um, slash Zoloft. I'll just call it Zoloft. It's easier to say. Um, <laughs> it's always been easier. Uh, I was put on Zoloft at age 16. Um, I'm 37 and I'm still taking it. Mm -hmm. And I remember being pissed off 
when I got prescribed this at age 16 because uh, as far as I knew at that point I was the only one in my peer group that took antidepressants and I could totally be wrong because we didn't talk about it back then as much as we do now Um, but looking back I I did totally feel like the only one and um, I wasn't embarrassed back then either like I think I've always been quite the advocate for for you know like do what works and so, you know, my circle of friends knew that I had to take this, this, this antidepressant and stuff. And then I was at the age too, where we would go to like bush parties and we would go to like just parties sometimes and there was drinking mm-hmm. and I wasn't supposed to take alcohol and this medication at the same time. And, um, and I didn't for m- most of that time, like I was really, really good about not abusing this because it was working like, mm-hmm. like about four or five weeks after I started taking this, I felt more like Jenny again. Yeah. It worked. You didn't want to mess anything up. I didn't want to fuck it up. Yeah. So anyway, um, and, and there, and then there was this one time when I, when I did, like when I did have an effect, it was when I was down in Nanaimo and I would have been like 18 or something. It's when I spent the summer down in Nanaimo. And crit with Chris. Yeah. And, um, and there was like five or six of us, like his brothers and his brother's friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were smoking weed and then we went down, we were downstairs and we were watching a movie. And then I, I suggested that I go up and get a couple bowls of ice cream. And I remember, and I think there were probably some beers circulating, but I don't know for sure if I even had a beer. I don't really even like beer, but I remember running up the stairs and then, and then I remember waking, waking up, oh looking at the ceiling in the kitchen, and about 15 minutes had gone by, and because those guys were so big, they didn't even come up to see if I was okay, <laughs> but I do remember like thinking about 15 minutes had gone by based on the movie, because I'd seen the movie before, and I came down without the ice cream, and nobody even noticed, <laughs> so I was like, oh. <laughs> but, but I remember being really scared, like... Like, that was real for me. I was like, okay, there's no way I can do anything. So there was quite a few years where I was really... Yeah, that scared you enough. I was really responsible with, with my medication. And um, and even now, like, I'm having a glass of wine with you, but... Yeah. But I know my limit, and um, and it's... Yeah, it, you definitely just really have to know your body, and you have to know yeah how it interacts with you and stuff, because if it works, great, but you don't want to abuse it, because then it won't work. So, yeah, but yeah, so anyway, um, I don't know where we got on. We, we always go on a tangents. That's we tend to, but yeah. So what we were talking about too, like just all the crazy shit that I did, like there was just so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like when we get together, when we get together as a huge family, um, those things come up. Like I did some weird things. We'll be like, remember when Jenny, blah, blah, blah. When, when Jenny let the half the class in the house when mom and dad went on yeah. holidays and we trashed the house in every every way imaginable and then people broke into the grandparents house and then <laughs> and yeah and then I let people like well it was kind of a plan and it was just a stupid plan and it backfired on me yeah. and all of a sudden these guys were trying to break into grandma and grandpa's house so I was in trouble so okay so I was in trouble a lot as a teenager yeah <laughs> And it was based on a lot of bad choices, and all the choices that I made were in hopes to 
of fitting in. Yeah, and so I was going to say, like, I, I think a lot of that is is that fitting in and then and feeling insecure and wanting wanting acceptance with your peers. Yeah. And, I mean, that's not uncommon. weird. It's, no, it's not uncommon. <laughs> that's not weird. Um, Kevin and I actually were just talking today. That's our brother. Super briefly about this. Um, what do we say? Oh, I just, someone said something about being a good teenager. And I said to Kev, I was like, I was a damn good teenager. And I was like, actually, you were a damn good teenager too. And I said, I guess it was just Jimmy. <laughs> and then, and then uh, he goes, yeah, but the three of us were lucky because we just watched her make all the mistakes. And then go, okay, well, we don't have to do that now. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what we've said mm-hmm. for years. But really, like, we watched you do, you were the trailblazer. Like, we watched yeah. you do these things and we're like, hey, A, can't get away with that. Or that was kind of dumb. Uh, whatever. And then, so that sucks for you. <laughs> it's, and like, you know, we, I was just. Not to say we were saints so we never did anything, but we got away with it a lot more, I think, than you did. I was driving Amanda to Fountain Tire yesterday and I was telling her about the time that I took the van and, mm. and drove you around. And me, yeah. yeah. When you were like seven. You could not drive. And I was 15 <laughs> and it was. It was pretty dangerous. Like it was well, number one, it was illegal. And I and and I knew that that wasn't okay. But at the same time, you were my older sister, and so you were gonna do it. I was gonna do it, but I didn't like that. It was if like, you recall. It wasn't like yeah, it wasn't do or die. It was do and probably die. <laughs> Luckily, you didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was pretty. It was pretty fun. I don't feel like you went very far. No. And then, <laughs> and I quickly became a better driver than. And some of my friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Well. I've never been in an accident. Knock on wood. Yeah. So. I just, I think when I think back, I, I really definitely can recall multiple dark times for you. Yeah. And it kind of did kind of go up and like, it was mm-hmm. up and down, up and down. And so the ups were really weird. Um, it's, and like, and, and so the other thing too, and I didn't bring it, but I have a bunch of like diaries journal journals from Mm -hmm. like from age 12 and on jtt yeah jonathan taylor thomas and and it was so funny i was just reading an entry the other like today earlier before i came over and and it was about and it was it was a journal entry to about me talking to janelle at a sleepover party about how or not a sleepover party but just a sleepover (laughs) about how like the only reason why i'm living today is because if i die I won't be able to marry JTT. <laughs> that's amazing. So dramatic. Yeah. But that's how I was. Like, and that's back to the HSP stuff. Like, that's... Like at, living a fantasy. At, at age 14 or whatever it was then, I was, like, I was, like, ready for commitment. Like, yeah. I was... Yeah. Well, I guess... I mean, I was really immature for my age, but that type of stuff, yeah. I just felt like I was ahead of my time or whatever. Yeah, because you could picture you could picture your future and your oh adulthood. Yeah. And oh yeah, like I and I did, and I wrote about it. So I have all these journal entries, and so when I go back and I read them all, um, it's really evident when I'm depressed and when I'm high. Mm-hmm. Like, and when I say high, I mean manic. Yeah. Or whatever it is, like in and, a high, and like, like even like before we started recording this, we were talking about atypical depression. 
And I was reading a little bit about it earlier today. And I feel like that kind of is what I fit into more than bipolar because like what we were saying before is, is if I had true bipolar, then this, then the Zoloft would probably set me into a, a spiral of mania. Um, but I don't feel like that because I've, because I feel like the Zoloft works mostly for anxiety mm-hmm. because I still do get depressed. Yeah. It doesn't help me with my depressed moods as much as it helps with the anxiety um yeah and so i i don't know what i have <laughs> all i know i don't either you asked me that when we were doing episodes one and two and i have no idea what i would say i know i have anxiety for sure yeah but i don't yeah I, so i would be interested in in actually getting like, a, like yeah. as an adult now and like getting a formal diagnosis and maybe reassessing my medication because mm-hmm. I do still dip into like depressed states and um and it's very like sometimes like sometimes I can predict them sometimes I can't predict them and I really don't like not trusting my brain yeah so when you're in a depressive state um, like now in adulthood, yeah. how does that show itself? Is it different from when you were younger at no. all or is it exactly the same pretty much? It's pretty much the same. So in hindsight, like, like you said, I spent a lot of time in my room. Yeah. Sleeping. You slept a lot. Too. Yeah. So that's exactly what I want to do now. Like, yeah. I mean, not, not like literally right, right now. now, but, um, when I'm depressed. I would take offense to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I was a teenager, I would come home from school and go right to bed and I would try to sleep till dinner, but I usually wasn't allowed because mom and dad thought that would interfere with my nighttime sleeping, which it probably did. Um, but I needed it then and there and I didn't even want to come to di- to dinner. No. And, um, and, and like, it was weird too, because I was involved in volleyball and other curricular, like extracurricular sports. I was in soccer. I was in badminton. I was in swimming. I was, yeah. I was super athletic. Yeah. Which, like, now I'm wondering if I hadn't been, how much worse could it have? Would been? Would I have maybe? been suicidal? Yeah. Like you had still things to because do. I was really depressed. Yet I still made it to all that stuff. Like, but I just couldn't do the social stuff, the social part of it, like the friends. I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't do the friends part of it. I wasn't. I wasn't able to be like the real Jenny that I wanted to be around people. And the only person at that point that I felt really secure with was pretty much like was Janelle consistently. Um, I felt like she had known me kind of before the depression started. So she was stuck with me. (laughs) Well, there's nothing fun about being in a group of people when you're not feeling like, you know, you, you get a group of friends together and everyone's up and happy and talking and, and it's no fun to be around that when you don't feel that way and you feel like you have to put all this energy in to be super fake about it. Yeah. Um, that's just, it's just so exhausting. Especially if you're... It makes, makes you more sad. Yeah, if you're a highly sensitive person and your whole, the feeling, the feeling that you get about the reason why you exist is to connect with people and then that's the one thing that you just you can't, can't do, do then why, why live? Yeah. You know, like you can get there. You can get to that dark spot. Yeah. You're like, what is my purpose if if I'm not connecting with people? And being authentic about who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that's super important. And when you can't be your authentic self, um, it, it almost physically hurts or it can physically hurt. Mm-hmm. And it can cause 
huge anxiety when you have plans with people that you love and you don't want to disappoint them but you don't want to fake smile around them yeah. and you just want to go to bed and you want to you want to be honest but you don't want to offend but you don't have the energy to explain and so you just want to go to bed and you just want them to know but you can't expect them to you know like oh i know it's back and forth this, we when we talked about that in in the hsp episode we were talking about that whole thing about when you understand them and and you almost put yourself to the side because you're like, oh, yeah. they're going to feel this way, this way, this way. And you, and you when you really listen to yourself, you're like, but I feel this way. And so yeah. I still can't do it. But, but, but then, like, I know for me, if I cancel plans or something because I just feel like I just can't, I need to just be at home and go to sleep and whatever. Mm-hmm. I... I don't have now a night where I feel, feel like I was able to be alone and relax and go and, and do any of those things because now I'm spending the whole night feeling really, really bad about it. And I'm feeling really, really guilty about breaking plans with people. And so it's almost like you don't win either way. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. That's a little different from when I'm in a depressive state though. Because when I'm in like... And it's been actually for me quite a quite a while, thankfully, since I've been in like a really one of my really bad depressive yeah. states. But I remember when I'm in them, I don't actually care. Yep. About whether or not I'm hurting anyone's feelings. Yep. Because I can't. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like that for you. It's the only thing that. Okay, so like so last. It'd be different. Year, you have kids now too, but oh, that changes things a lot. Well, there's more guilt. I was actually, that was one of the things I was going to ask you about later, but we'll get to that after. Okay, so what do you want me to answer? <laughs> oh, sorry. I just, I, I'm... Oh, about, like, not caring uh, yeah, about like hurting it, people. Yeah, like, if you're, if you're feeling guilty about that at all when you're... Well, I think when, when I was a teenager, maybe a younger adult, I don't know if I even recognized if I was or not. Yeah. Um, I, I think that probably the people that I was hanging out with at the time, I felt like they kind of just got me. They got it. And I've never really been super duper private with my friends about my feelings and stuff. I've, I've hidden it a lot from the parents. Yeah. Um, only when I'm absolutely at my lowest point do I reach out to the parents. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but that's just how it is. Um, but my friends have always been the ones that I've turned to first, so... I guess when I was that age, um, I, I had some, a tight knit group of girls like Dee and Janelle and Steph and I think they just got it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, like Stephanie was so in tune with who I was before I went to Vernon and when I, who I was when I got back and I, and she knew enough at the time then to not say a thing about it. Mm -hmm. And and it was really weird because it was like maybe two years ago that we were talking about that and about that part of my life. And she told me that then. And it was the first time. And it had been like, what, 20? Yeah. Oh, like, I guess 18 years. And I had never known that, that she had observed that or whatever mm-hmm. about me. But she knew enough then just to let it lie and just to be there. That's nice. Just to be there. Just to, you know, be there to drive me around <laughs> in her little Chevy Sprint. But whatever oh, you no, needed. No, mine like, was a Chevy nice. Sprint. Hers was a Ford Festiva. Yeah. Which I still steer around town now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So it, it's it's kind of different now that I'm an adult because 
it's um, like I have a family and I have a job, like a full-time job. And so I have responsibilities to other people and they're all different types of people, right? Like the mm -hmm. way that you relate to your husband or to your um, friends as an adult that you maybe just met as an adult, mm -hmm. not as a, as a child. Um, so they're fairly new. Um, and the way that you relate to your boss and your colleagues could be completely different. Yeah. So you have to reinvent the way that you are. Mm -hmm. and um, and I often wonder like if like I, I probably wouldn't have applied for the job I have if I had been in a depressive state when the job was offered right you know I probably wouldn't have felt like I was worthy enough for the job or good enough or like because I had resigned before because of the fact that Tab was going to go to school and I was going to stay home with the kids um I had resigned so like will they even want me back like I could have had really low self-esteem in that in that moment and mm -hmm. then not applied and then I wouldn't have had that job um, luckily like it, I, it wasn't that way I was looking for a job I was you know excited about working again it was just like the right timing so that I got that job but there are quite a few things in my life that I have not been able to achieve because of depression yeah that have held me like the depression has held me back from achieving that um like that i've watched my friends get stuff because they don't have like they're not mentally ill yeah <laughs> such yeah. as like university degrees mm -hmm. i can't i don't think that i would ever be able to get through like a four-year um program without having some kind of depressive episode that sets me back. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's weird because it's a whole different way of looking at your life and accepting who you are. And um, it's a whole different set of grievances that you have to survive. Mm -hmm. You know, and it kind of sounds right now like, oh, I'm just going to give up on getting a uni university degree because I might be depressed, but at, at my age, <laughs> um, like just the thought of starting something and then failing once again at this, at something that I've tried three times to do already. I just, I just don't need that failure again. So, yeah, you know, so, like, so, so then what's the, what's the alternative? It's just, I have to grieve it. Like I have to just let it go. And then, and yeah. then, and then like, in it you know when you're in a po more positive state you can you can find things that that fit with your life better like that's why i think that this podcast is a pretty good fit because um anybody can do a podcast i didn't have to go and get a master's degree to do a podcast i had to google some i had to extensively google and teach myself how to set it up but um i just think like it's more fulfilling to me and and uh if it wasn't for all my failures and if it wasn't for all this depression it never would have led me here no and it might have led me to a job in counseling that I wanted I've wanted to do since I was about 17 which now objectively would probably have burnt me out yeah and uh so i mean 
maybe things do happen for a reason and maybe you know like depression sucks <laughs> um it it yeah it definitely does it, it's the worst thing <laughs> i mean it's one of the worst things mm -hmm. um and i would not wish it on anybody I, well <laughs> it's really bad and some people <laughs> i'm just kidding um but yeah like it's maybe maybe because of it i'm here and i'm doing this and if it can help other people then maybe it was worth it mm -hmm. so i don't know i guess we'll see but it hasn't been easy <laughs> no when, when you first told me your idea for this podcast you were so excited about it and i think that even like in this past year of of getting together with you or whatever that's the most excited i've seen you about anything in a long time mm -hmm. um like like excited about you know a, a new opportunity and i thought that was really awesome like yeah. it's so nice to see someone get excited about something and i'm stoked on it yeah me too yeah. i'm stoked that you're stoked <laughs> <laughs> yay <laughs> so stoked well maybe this is a good time to go pee and and, and uh reflect put, put this one to rest <laughs> and uh yeah we'll definitely be back for part two and um yeah hope you enjoyed